listening to episode 214 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we look tonight at the first episode of the Netflix science fiction series, Sense8. And it's been a while coming. This is one of those shows that's been on my radar for a while. I know you've you've seen both seasons, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm glad we're finally taking a look at it You know, from a more critical perspective. Not sure I understand it, but... <laughs> Well, and, and that's part of what I think will be a recurring theme, at least for me, because this was the first time I've rewatched an episode of Sense8, and it just made so much sense to me. I understood it. I was It was like a whole new world opened up. So I think I need to go back and rewatch it all, because usually the first time through, I'm just generally living in a, in a fog of confusion and, and, and lack of understanding. So Okay. Well, speaking of fogs of confusion and lack of understanding... Uh, before we, you know, get into the the meat of this episode, all right, let, let's figure out who had the more uh, grueling day. You with a classroom full of miscreant eleventh graders, or me having lunch with my mother and mother-in-law. Wow. Uh, well, I mean, not. I, I'm not going to cast shade at your mother and mother-in-law, so I'm going to say that I still had the the rougher day. I would say you did as well. Yeah. I mean, look, I'll tell you, I'm very lucky. My mother-in-law thinks I walk on water. My mother thinks my wife does. So, you know, all I had to do was make the sandwiches and everything went well. Nice. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think, you know, my mom lives in Florida and right. you know, having a son that's into sci-fi, how fitting that she lives in Jupiter. Nice. Which is uh, des- just down the road from Juno Beach, but uh, my brother did go down and get her, and God bless him. I mean, he just like like in the middle of the night got a flight uh, out of Charleston because there was nothing out of uh, West Palm Beach, which right. is where she is. So that he flew down, got a because no, you know, he had no trouble getting a ticket to fly into Florida. right, right. Uh, got a rental car. They drove to Charleston, took a flight out of Charleston. And, uh, you know, so now she's up here and, you know, fortunately I got to see her because as you know, I, I don't travel, I don't fly. And, right. you know, so it was a really nice You make day. your poor mom come to you even, man. Uh, I know. You know <laughs> what? Again, she did not make me feel guilty today. <laughs> so that was, that was certainly a plus, but no, it was, it was a really, really good day. And, Fortunately, her community dodged a bullet, no flooding, power's already back on. And I'm telling you, wow. Jupiter, they are on top of things. They've got a, a Twitter account and a Facebook page. And this is, of course, my, the only thing my mother's interested in. Well, does it tell what restaurants are open? <laughs> Dude, it did. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> Nice. And, and a couple of me had what time they were open, but so uh, she's here and, you know, fortunately she's going to be able to return to her home and it'll be in good shape. And, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers go with, uh, everybody, especially on the West coast of Florida and Miami and yeah. wow, some just brutal pictures we've seen over the last few weeks. Yeah. Well, last few days. Well, all right. I guess with Texas, lump, lump. Yeah, lumping attack. Okay, yeah. I got you. I got you. Yeah. So, all right. Well, before we uh, get into the discussion tonight, remind you, love to hear from you guys. Emails to sci fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. You can go to the website and leave us a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab. 
record your own audio clips, send the MP3 as an attachment, or send us a tweet at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. And as always, we encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. All right, so we did get one piece of listener feedback tonight. It's from our friend Dan Mikowski, who's written in a bunch over the last few years. And he had some things to say about Dollhouse. So why don't we read that and make a few comments. So Dan, yeah, let's hear it. Dan says, I was pleased to see that you were covering Dollhouse. However, here we go. <laughs> no, it's the big however. I have to say I'm surprised by the rigid morality by which you viewed the series, especially considering the other shows you guys watch. Despite repeated references in season one to informed consent, you seem to categorically reject the idea that a person would willingly accept a contract to be a doll, insisting that there had to be a greater conspiracy or manipulation. Though it's not something I would ever do, I can see how someone would. I think that one of the show's strengths was its moral complexity and the numerous philosophical issues it touched on. Did I fall asleep? For a little while, Dan. For a little while. <laughs> All right. Um, some great stuff. So so let's kind of go in reverse order. Okay. Absolutely. I, I know both of us agree that one of the show's strengths is its moral complexity and the and the f- philosophical issues it touches on, and, and certainly technology is one. And and you know, so so no disagreement there. My thing, and I think it was probably more me than you, and not that you don't agree with this, but the whole conspiracy and manipulation, and I think maybe he's referring to my feeling that at the end of the day, who's really pulling the strings? And I think it could be the military industrial complex because again, when you look at what we got the potential for, it is a weapon or a series of weapons. I mean, you know, right. And I think when he refers to the rigid morality, I think that that was probably more me than you, but I am not going to back off or apologize for that. And granted, yeah, I mean, these people, absolutely, he is 100% right. These people, you know, agreed to this. We saw that when November was released. You know, she's just like, oh, it just seems like yesterday. So we know that she agreed to it. But we also definitely saw them with uh, Joe, was that his name? Oh, I can't remember. But the guy who who killed his buddy on the college campus. Sam? Sam, right. Uh, I think we, we take turns forgetting that. I, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Um, you know, we see them taking advantage of a situation and it really looks like with Caroline as well, they were taking advantage of a situation where the person was desperate. And so they come in to, you know, they swoop in out of their desperation. So while they are not putting a gun to their head, true, and forcing them to, to, you know, do this, there is definitely some manipulation going on there. And um, and it, I just it just the whole concept just yeah you know, I'm sorry it bothers me it bothers me how you know they uh, the and it, it, but then again it bothers me I guess when because I like Adele Dewitt I like Topher but on the I guess the morally rigid side of me condemns them and says well, how can you like these people they're they're awful this is you know, little better than slavery. It's prostitution, uh, you know. So I don't know. I mean, you're right. There, There is definitely a, a – it is a very complex world. Right. And Like and, I said, you know, part of me says I should hate these people, but part of me likes them 
as well. And, and in the end, I'm, I'm going to root for them to win out. Well, they are great characters and, and great actors as well, as we've, we've said many times. But the other uh, thing that Dan brings up is, is the idea of informed consent. And I think it was either last week or the week before that, that I think I touched on that a little bit in that I just wonder how informed they actually were. And, and we wonder whether or not had the series gone beyond two seasons, that would have been something that's brought up. Because, I mean, we see Caroline as she's in anguish over whether or not to accept Adele DeWitt's offer, you know, in the uh, the pilot that actually aired. So on the one hand, we know she's really torn as to whether to accept it. But at the end, are they really informing these people that you are going to be sexually used a number of times during the course of your five-year term? And if that's true, then, you know, then would these people still sign up? Obviously, some would. Right. And, you know, I I almost get why they dodge that because, A, if that's something they don't tell them, then we categorically would condemn DeWitt and Topher and think of them as nothing less than absolute monsters, right, if they didn't tell them that. On the other hand, if they do tell them that, now we look at the people who are the dolls, and we don't really feel sorry for them, you know. Right? Like you, you were told that this would happen, so don't you know? Like you, you, you had full disclosure of what was gonna it was gonna be like. So you know, I mean, they're not crying because they don't have no idea what's going on. But you know, we don't. We would feel no pity or no sympathy for them if if we saw that they they did know that and accept it and we probably would think they're they're weirdos you know but but then again you know i guess to, you know to back off from what i just said there you know because um, i just thought of this you know like it's, it's not like um women or men or anyone who are prostituting themselves they know what they're doing they're doing it willingly but i have a feeling there's not a lot of people in that business who like chose that, you know, like they ended up there probably through, you know, things that they, if they maybe, you know, had to do it again, maybe they wouldn't. Sure. You know, there's a lot there. Well, what I guess that's kind of what I go back on is that, you know, I just can't imagine someone actually agreeing to that, no matter how much money they're going to come out with in the end. Well, and I think the ambiguity, as you say, that we don't really know whether or not they were told the full scope of what was going to happen is part of the appeal of the show. The fact that we don't know, and and, and it does impact the way we look at these characters like, like Topher and DeWitt. But either way, great comment, Dan. And, you know, yeah. I, and that's, I guess, what's so great about this show is that there's so much to think about on so many levels and about so many issues as he points out so all right well speaking of other great shows i don't know if you noticed and i feel badly that i didn't uh message you on facebook but con man which is uh, obviously this yes. series was running on sci-fi yeah was it just season one it was just season one yeah 
And yep, I got it. You got it. Recorded it. Cool. So, uh, of course, I'm watching it, and, and I'd only seen the first couple, so it was great to see, actually, the rest of season one. Actually, I still have you know two more episodes to go. But again, uh, you know, I'm watching it. And next thing I know, I look over, my wife's laughing and she's, you know, but of course she doesn't know who all of these people are. So when she sees, you know, I don't know how many you've watched, so I'm not necessarily going to get. I just watched, uh, I didn't even see all of episode one, but I think pretty much most of episode one. Okay. So you haven't seen Trisha Helfer yet? No. Okay. So of course, you know, most sci-fi fans know her as uh, number six from Battlestar Galactica. Right. My wife knows her as Lucifer's mother in the Fox show what? Lucifer. How is she playing someone's mother? Uh, come on now. Uh, well, come on. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so she's she's totally into it. But of course, uh, you know, she doesn't know who all these people are. But it's cool. You know, I'm, I'll, I pause it and explain it. And she's into it. Uh, and then the other thing is I'm up to episode eight on Buffy. I, I'm just into it, man. And yeah. as I posted on the Facebook group, I, I've read a lot of places and I've had people tell me, oh, season one's not that good. Just get through it. And But I'm I'm having a, a good time. I, I really enjoy it. And I guess like most shows, I, I you know understand it is going to get better. But, you know, still, I mean, there are some less than great episodes in season one so far, and, and that's okay. The pack is one of them. And if any of you are Buffy fans out there, then... I got to believe you agree with me that the pack is not one of uh, Joss's finest episodes. But anyway, I'm going to finish season one, hopefully by the end of the week and, and keep going on. Cool. So, all right. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about what it is we actually are supposed to be talking about tonight. And that right. is Sense8. And this is episode one of season one entitled Limbic Resonance. Written by the Wachowskis and J. Michael Straczynski, directed by the Wachowskis. And this one was dropped on June 5th, 2015. And I say dropped rather than aired because, of course, this is a Netflix series. Right. Uh, season one had 12 episodes. Season two had 11. And as I know you know and, and you know any fans of the show know, it was not renewed for a season three but there was a, a pretty big outcry on social media and Netflix uh, basically gave in and is going to give them a two hour series finale. That's going to air sometime in 2018. And you think, I, I mean, that's kind of the least they can do. And, and certainly that was one of the, the, the things that Fox did with Firefly, you know, eventually gave them, you know, serenity to, to be able to tie some things up. The interesting thing I found in doing a little bit of research you know, part of the problem with Sensate, and I've only two episodes in. You know, I watched the first one on my laptop uh, earlier in the week and took some notes, and then I I bring it up on the big TV to do a rewatch and you know you know flesh out my notes a little bit. So of course my wife starts watching it; she's into it. So we get to the end of the the episode, and you know I stop Netflix, and she's like, well, "What are you doing?" Well, I, we're only going to talk about episode one, so I don't want to know what's going on in episode two. And she just gives me that stare. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Right. I'm like, oh, okay, I, I, I guess I can. <laughs> so anyway, so I've seen episode two as well. 
Okay. But I know, you know, you've seen the whole thing. But what I found interesting, season one cost $4.5 million per episode. Per episode, yeah. Season yeah. two was double at $9 yeah. million per episode. Yeah. And to give it some perspective, Game of Thrones, they spend $10 million. The Crown, which is the most expensive TV series I believe I read ever, I, I have absolutely no idea how, but at thirteen million per episode. Now, mm. for all of these shows, you know, part of that is the salary they pay to the actors. Sure, but not for Sensei, really. Well, Though, I mean, there's some pretty big names in there, right? But when you get down to it, you understand that nine million dollars is a lot. And, that is a lot of money, and the. the Viewer numbers are a little more difficult to get for Netflix than uh, obviously the over-the-air stations or the the cable stations. But I think to a certain extent, the cost became prohibitive. But so yeah, no question. Uh, You know, and we have to like be careful when we start criticizing Netflix because. Netflix is the place that is resurrecting television shows that people love. So, you know, when when Sensei got canceled, it was a big – it was shocking. It was, like, right after, like, season two dropped as well, I think. It, it was, like, pretty hot on the heels of that. So that, you know, I, I mean, because it, it is a, a great show. It is a very, very good television show, but it's super expensive. You know, they shoot it all over the world. You know, it's just, you, you can tell. You just watch it. <clears throat> and the number of extras that they have in almost every single scene, it's just, uh, you know, it's, you, you can, the the cost definitely, I would say, is, is what, you know, caused Netflix to balk because, you know, they, they know that Sensei's got a good audience, a very loyal audience, people who watch it over and over and over again. Um, but that's not what Netflix is looking for, right? Well, they, sure. they, it's great. They, it's great if you watch it over and over again, but they want, you know, new subscribers coming in, right? That's how they make the money. Right. And, uh, you know, obviously this is uh, certainly on one level geared to, fans of the matrix which obviously the wachowskis are responsible for and and equally difficult to understand you know piece of work but uh, just this whole idea of limbic resonance which is the title of this episode the idea that the capacity for sharing emotional states arises from the limbic system of the brain so so at the heart of it seems to be that because the whole first episode i mean you know we we start to piece some things together and and uh one of the things that that wayne and i talked about before we started recording tonight how much should he reveal about what he knows and 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 as he said he's going to still try to keep it you know pretty pretty spoiler light here um you know maybe make a few points but right. I'm not going to reveal anything that A, you can't already see happening, or B, is just like a major plot point, you know? So. Okay. Well, well, I think a great place to start is, is with the eight individuals who are clearly facing some sort of shared memories or experiences because at the beginning, we're not exactly sure what's going on. So the only actor of, of these eight that I really recognize is the guy that plays Will, the Chicago police officer, uh, Brian right. J. Smith from Stargate Universe, which I watched 
you know, both seasons of that. The the other thing, and and you know, maybe this is something you can verify, but um, you know, what's the connection? I mean, is, is there something about each person's past that's maybe opened up their emotional state to be receptive to these kinds of things? Because clearly, his father was a police officer as well, was wounded in the line of duty, and, and is just a piece of work, right? Now, um, yeah, well, his, his dad is pretty cool actually. Okay. Well, well, okay. In, in what I saw, you know, it's, he seems to have some issues, you know, like when he, when he saving that, that young boy who's been shot in some sort of gang activity and, you know, he, he talks to the kid about, you know, being the son of a police officer and, you know, doing some pretty dumb things himself which i think it's in episode two that we learn you know certainly at least one of the things he did that that really angered his father but but just clearly a rebellious youth who then ironically follows in his father's footsteps as a police officer so all right well let's just go through them all and then we can kind of come back uh we've got the soul businesswoman whose father owns that huge corporation i I forget what her name is son son and from my perspective, what I see out of this first episode, that, that what's really tugging at her emotional strings is the fact that she's got to cope with the reduced role that women have in this Korean society. To, right. To- and, and specifically her brother, who we see her brother, you know, because the guy who is being very rude to her, and then her brother comes in and just kind of like you know, pats the guy on the shoulder. Hey, come on, buddy. Yeah. Hey, get us some coffee, will you? You know? Oh my God. And I I just like, I wasn't sure whether I wanted to cry for her or punch the screen because you see the look on her face and, and and she does, you know, she kind of nods her head in acquiescence that she is going to get the coffee. Yeah. And right. And, and, but there's something more in character with her that as this guy is, being very rude to her, you see her clench her fist like she's about to punch him. Oh, you know what? My wife noticed that. And she yeah. at first thought she maybe had something in her hand, but I, I thought it was just like you said, just clenching her fist. And again, not that she would dare punch her brother in this situation, but almost just like trying to keep it under control, which. Right. Um, you know, and, and the fact that she's just not taken seriously within the business world. And even though she's clearly highly qualified, probably more so than her brother from you know, the little bit that we see. Um, one of the most fascinating characters for me in this first episode is Wolfgang. Yeah, I love Wolfgang. The, the, well, I like all the characters. The Berlin safe cracker. But did, did I get it right that he's also no you know what i didn't get it right i was going to say that that he's a security expert for some company but that that's nomi right that she's some sort of a okay so we'll get to her in a second so wolfgang clearly you know i said will has issues with his dad and and you know maybe he does (laughs) but uh, (laughs) wolfgang unquestionably has issues with his dad right (laughs) i think you need to pay your respect I don't know who that yeah. woman was, his aunt or somebody. This is it. This is it and uncle. Uh, and, and you think like, and, and at first, 
you think like, okay, he's going to go, you know, see his father who's just probably on the other side of the cemetery or something like that. And I guess he technically was on the other side of the cemetery, but wow, what a great scene. And then literally pissed on his grave. Yep. And like people, when people say that, you know, like I assume they're speaking metaphorically, but Wolfgang just took that to the next level right there. I wish I could remember what commercial it was, but there was a commercial that, that just aired yesterday and they even point out, and we're not using this metaphorically. I'll have to, I'll have to remember it for next time. But, you know, then when we learn what has led Wolfgang to this way of feeling about his father, and we're taken back to that childhood recital when he he's just paralyzed with fear and is unable to sing and the, the teacher's trying to prompt him. And, and, and again, I mean, I'm sure you've seen that sort of thing a lot, you know, with, with not necessarily your kids, but maybe other kids that are placed in those situations and, and somebody has to help them. And no person would dare do what his father does, which is number one, right. get up out of his seat and then just basically laugh at his son in a humiliating way. Mm-hmm. You know, at first I thought, okay, maybe he's going to, you know, go to the back so, so that his son doesn't see him and maybe make it easier for his son. Um, and then maybe, okay, he, he's going to smile, but no, oh, it, that was just horrible. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really, that, that was brilliant. And again, like, I mean, not like realistic. I've never seen anyone ever. Like you said, you've never seen anyone do something like that. And um, you can't imagine someone actually doing that. So, you know, we don't really necessarily kind of like as realistically buy into it, but it, it gives us quickly and without much expensive film, which they must be thinking about here. Um, we understand why Wolfgang is pissing on his father's grave. Right, exactly. But ironically, like Will, and maybe even more so, he follows in his father's footsteps, but here he cracks the uncrackable, the safe right. that his father could not. And and I'm not sure if I missed it or if you, or if you know the answer to this and, and consider it spoilerish, but was his father killed trying to crack this safe, like in the middle of a job? Maybe somebody came you know, in and there, there's... The, the, uh, let's file that under i don't know okay okay <laughs> i can't remember um you know like it's been probably almost you know two years since i saw um i guess a little over a year and a half maybe since i saw season one and uh you know and both times i, I kind of binged them quickly and I never went back and rewatched but you know so there's a lot that I really don't remember, um, or or you know, like I was so confused about it in the first place. That's why, like watching this episode again, I'm just like, you know, I remember watching it the first time and being just like, "What the heck is going on here?" I didn't like. I, I kind of get that these people have like some kind of connection, um, but there's a lot of stuff with, like Daryl Hannah and Naveen Edwards, and I'm sorry, Andrews that I just, like, wasn't quite getting what was going on. Um, but what, going back and watching it the second time now, it was like, oh, I, I get it. I understand. Oh, like, you know, I, like, understood it so much better, so much more. So, All right, well, good. Um, I think this is really a show that that uh, almost demands a rewatch. It's so complex. And the plot, and you're following eight 
different stories, you know? So it's really hard to keep a lot of it, you know, together, I think. Yeah, no, no question. And and just to make sure I'm clear on something. So the safe that Wolfgang and his friend go to crack. Right. They went there apparently knowing that that other guy who has the tattoo on his back, who's also yes. a criminal, that he was planning to try to break into the same safe and that that's who they were, you know, afraid that they would get caught by. Right. It, it wasn't necessarily yes. the owner of that, you know. Right. Right. Because, and but of course we think like, yeah, you know, the guy's looking out there. It's like, Oh, he's you know, We only have an hour or whatever. Um, so we think that's when the owners are going to be home, but no, that's when the other bad guy or the other, I'm going to say bad guy, the other, uh, you know, safe cracker, whatever, he's showing up to, uh, to try and open up the safe. Right. So they beat him to the punch. Okay. And, and you wonder, and I don't know whether we ever find this out, but did they know somehow that that was that guy's plan and then just deliberately tried to, to get here. But, but the other thing I found interesting was they're up against the clock. I mean, it's expired. It's, it's zero, zero, zero. <laughs> and yet he's yeah. still, I mean, he's kind of in the zone. So I guess you could, could argue that, but he's willing to risk his life. Yeah. I think to do something, his father was unable to, and to just, absolutely and to just absolutely. show up, you know, again, this time metaphorically piss on dad's grave. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 100%. Um, and, you know, he's, you know, not afraid to just, Take a break and watch some tube for a little bit to try and uh, relax his mind as well. So you like this crap? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now the the other character is the young woman in Mumbai, which I found out is the current uh, designation for the city that used to be Bombay. And again, do you know her name? Kala. Kala. This is the one that really. Uh, yeah. You know, just just really, I think, emotionally impacted my wife. And, and it's yeah. this college-educated woman who's about to marry a man she doesn't love. And yeah. he's not a bad guy. That's no. The thing. You know, like she says, it. he's he's handsome. He's he's clever. He'll take good care of me. He loves me. Uh, he's got a good job. You know, he's got everything going for him, except she doesn't love him. And- like you said, and I, I think this maybe is into episode two, but but as you say, in episode one, all we really know is that he's the son of the man that owns the company for which she works. So for me, right away, that does not bode well. That that almost conjures up an image of this guy that thinks, you know, that that he deserves whatever it is he wants and because his father owns the company and that this young woman's at you know basically at his mercy and and this is of course india so that arranged marriages are still right. you know part and parcel of of a lot of their culture and i'm sure not all of it but but in this case it was so for her this this fear of disappointing her parents and and her parents seem like the two sweetest people in the world yeah Exactly. And yeah, and you see that you know, she says, well, my, when my, you know, we got the offer, my parents were so excited. My dad was dancing around the house and, you know, and she had, she had no choice really at all in this um, because it, her parents were so happy 
because uh, they, to, from their perspective, it's not a selfish thing per se. I mean, maybe their family stature is now raised a little bit, but really it means that their daughter, she doesn't have to worry about it. She's taken care of. Right. For life, you know? Well, and I found it really compelling when she tells her father, look, I, you, you sent me to university to get an education, not find a husband, which probably isn't entirely true. Yeah. Right. Right. As much as she'd like but to think. You that. look like her, you get a husband anywhere. So, you well, know. well, I understand that. And, and I think <laughs> once we really learn about who the husband or, or you know the, her, her potential husband really is and what he seems to be about i guess it makes her dilemma you know, that much more difficult because he does seem like a really nice guy even yeah. though his- I, i'm just gonna put this out there he is yeah. he's a really really nice guy and it makes her life so complicated because she doesn't love him but he's really good and he'll do anything for her you know he he completely loves her you know but she ulti- she loves she doesn't love him and ultimately she starts loving someone else and it just makes it uh, a lot tougher for her to deal with. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's go over to Nairobi, Kenya. Yeah. And and the bus driver of the Van, Van Dam Van Dam vehicle and <laughs> and so what great. clearly this is not something I was aware of but I'm going to trust the Wachowskis that that in Kenya part of uh, you know they don't necessarily have public transportation I guess they have private contractors and that the idea is to paint your vehicle <laughs> yep. in such a way as to track customers. So yeah. uh, he and his buddy who are, would not take the Van Dam, except for well, the people who like the Bat Van, you know, right? But <laughs> but of course, and then that was a great line. I wish I'd written it down when he when he talks about Van Dam. It's like yeah, but he doesn't need gadgets, you know. He fights with his fists and with his heart, <laughs> and right, right. and you know, there's something to be said about that. So, but but what we learn about him is that. I think what what probably really e- eats at him emotionally is is the fact that he's taking care of his sick mother, and not that he, you know, not that he feels that this is a burden. He's right. clearly happy to do it. His mother knows he's happy to do it, but it's so much responsibility for such a young man. And and I don't know if he's just not as young as he appears, but I mean, he certainly appears to be. You know, no, he's, he's young. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's he's young. I don't know. I can't remember how old he is, but he's he's young. You know, so that's got to weigh heavily on him. You know, the, the the dual aspect of it, the fact that he that he does feel for his mother, who is really really ill, and then just the 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 burden of responsibility that that he's apparently willingly taken on. It certainly doesn't feel as if he uh, is resentful of it at, at all. So, uh, you know, th- no. there's a, he's great. He's, he's such a great character and the actor, they switched up actors on this one. Yeah. I read they, that. They pulled it. They pulled the Dario Naharis on us here. And, uh, which, you know, I don't even, again, like, um, you know, I just like you kind of go back to the beginning. I'm like, oh wait, oh that's right. They switched up the the guys us between seasons one and two because you know, like it was it was a different guy. So, so. all right, we'll return to the United States and San Francisco and Nomi, who's a transgender mm-hmm. blogger, 
and uh, she, I think she refers to herself as a hacktivist, which yeah, I'm still not exactly sure what that means, but it means uh, like someone who you know hacks into you know public things or websites in order to you know as an act of like civil disobedience, okay. kind of. Okay, but now, uh, as very often happens with a lot of these hackers, once they get caught some of these really big companies decide to hire them because if you're that good, I want you to help me protect my company. And apparently she's that good. And, and now she works at least that's the idea I got in, in episode one is that she's in cybersecurity uh, at some point, but for her, not that, you know, she has identity issues because she knows who she is. Sure. But you know, and again, I can't remember if it's, it's if it's at the end of episode one or if it's into episode two. But but obviously, the issues with her mother, who's really the only one we see. I mean, we do see her sister, who seems to be supportive of her choices. I think that's all episode two. That is okay. So, yeah. uh, but still, yeah, but 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 yeah, we certainly see, like as you said, I mean, she is pretty self confident. But we see also that she is, you know, she's not accepted any, like she's, she's kind of an outcast everywhere. You know, we see even the, you know, at the, at the pride day, the people are giving their crap. And, uh, you know, I think, I, I can't remember Freema Ajiman's character's name, but. Yeah. Her uh, girlfriend. Yeah. Right. You know, she stands up for her and she, she starts crying because she's like, no one's ever stood up for me before. And, and that's. We feel like that's that's totally we we get that right. Yeah, maybe the most powerful scene in the entire first episode. I think. Yeah, it's pretty 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 powerful, right? Because that that yeah. you know that girl on the blanket was such a bitch to her, and 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 yeah. again, you know, I, I, like you said, look, she's always going to be Martha. Let's face it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, but her. Entrance into this episode is a little jarring, maybe <laughs> to say the least. It might throw Doctor Who fans, and let's just say it ends with a strapping image that uh, you know I'd forgotten about. All right, well we'll you know, we'll, we'll leave that. that one there. So so clearly <laughs> we know that that Nomi. I mean, I mean, she's she's just being pulled in so many directions. So you you certainly can can see you know what her issues uh, are. And then finally, uh, Mexico City, Lito, who is an actor, Lito, and uh, you know, I, I think the the first time I watched it, I didn't really notice it, but I think we see a scene, albeit briefly, where he's dancing in a gay bar. I'm pretty sure we do. Again, clearly we see that in season two. I mean, in episode two. But <laughs> it might be the episode two. But yeah, that scene when he's making the movie, where he's you know, I guess some sort of gangster, drug dealer, whatever, uh-huh. and he he can't remember his lines, or or he keeps saying the wrong line, and he goes back to his trailer, and 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 the hot girl who's playing the nun comes back there, and you know, well, I think I know how to help you. You know, of course. And right. Well, he's already like aroused because he was rubbing against the side of his trailer. Right. As some kind of motivational thing. And, uh, you know, 
the uh, the porn moment arrives that he's like, uh, no, right, and you know, so so right away that sort of you know sends up some sort of a uh, you know a red flag. He says, "My heart belongs to another," but you know, just just the the whole thing for any Catholic to have a girl, someone in a nun's habit, offer to you know any kind of sexual things is. That's that's a complex thing going on there, you know? Okay. One way or another, it's complex, however you would uh, react to that. Okay. Now, I left deliberately for last uh, the London DJ, Riley. Riley, yes. Be- because even though she's... I you know I don't I don't even know if I it's fair to say she's one of my favorite characters because they all have something you know each one yeah. of them is compelling in his or her own way it's so funny each one each name you say I I, I do a little clap like I'm just oh you know because yeah all these characters are I mean that is really I think you know the the one thing that that kind of gets in the way as I said is that. It, it gets the plot gets kind of so complex it becomes a little bit convoluted but the characters are awesome and the best parts of this show are when these characters are kind of like working together or like my favorite scenes is and it happens a couple times throughout both seasons where there's like some kind of big dance or rave or party or something and all of them are just kind of like jumping up and down and dancing and with one another and it's just this bond that's between them this sense of community that we only we're just starting to see it uh forming right now but uh you know once they establish that bond um you know these moments of just like pure joy and happiness where they're just dancing with each other and everything it's just so great and those are like some of my favorite moments of the show well you know you mentioned the dancing and that you get that one scene where Will and one of the things they establish in this episode is that whatever these abilities are that these eight have, it, it does lead to severe migraine headaches. And and Will's right. got one, and the pounding mm-hmm. dance music emanating from his next door neighbor's apartment eventually leads him to go out, knock on the door, and eventually pound on the door. Police open up. And my wife's like, oh, yeah, he is the police, isn't he? I'm like, yeah. yeah. And then he goes in, and it's dead quiet, and there's nobody in there. In fact, there's not yeah. even any furniture in there. Right, right. But we start to make that connection. It's like, oh, you know. Well, and then we see that, you know, Wolf, and then it shows us that it's Wolfgang who's at the rave, and the, the music is Wolfgang's hearing it, but Will is too. Yeah, yeah. So- uh, you know, one of the things I started thinking is there something about, you know, which one, you know, I, I guess ends up in another's consciousness, or is it just kind of random and we're just kind of shown bits and pieces? In other words, does Riley eventually experience something from all seven of the others, even if we don't see it right away? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm guessing yes, but we don't, you know, so, um, I, and that's not really what they're trying to establish. I think in the first episode, they're just trying to establish that they do pick up on these yeah. limbic resonances. But well, if we see, I'm trying to see, is it, yeah, it's, it's Riley and Wolf, Wolf, uh, not Wolf, Will, who 
right? Like, oh yeah, yeah, because she takes that drug, and she like then she's there with Will. Like she's actually then she becomes Will, right? Right. Well, they have the conversation, and, and right. you know, she even says, "You know, where am I?" And he's like, "Chicago, America." Yeah, I've never yeah. been to America, and they both know that enough weird things have been going on in their lives and in their minds that. All right, I, I'm not going to think I'm crazy, but I am going to try to figure out what's going on here. Mm-hmm. But but what is it about Riley? I mean, we see the scars on her wrists. Yeah. So we assume at some point she was suicidal. Yes. Okay. Whatever it is that's causing them, you know, to to have, you know, this um, these emotional breakdowns if you will. Uh, you know, with her, we don't really know what it is. Clearly, it was something serious enough to cause her to want to take her own life. And then you got to ask yourself, why is she with these losers? Yeah. Because clearly yeah. she's good at what she does. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, yeah. And these, and these guys are major tools, right? Yeah. So. All right, which leads us into a whole bunch of questions. And, you know, okay. we'll see what you're able to answer, you know, given the, the you know, we're talking about episode one. So what is it about Angelica, who, who's played by Daryl Hannah, and her yeah. suicide that ties them all together? I mean, be, is that something you can answer yet, or is that too spoiler? Well, I, I will, because they answered it in the episode, but you just don't really notice it, probably. She gave birth to them. Okay. She had some kind of, like her, something went out from her brain and that's when all these eight people suddenly now start seeing one another, seeing her, like she established the connection between them. Okay. So she gave birth to this connection. Yes. And that these eight, now, do we know whether or not they're random? Did, you know, did somebody target them do we know anything yeah that i i feel like they must have been targeted but i actually don't re, can't recall the answer okay to that I, or i don't i'm not sure if they've even really addressed it i think they've speculated on it like why what they had but and there might be a detail that i'm missing again i think i just need to go back and rewatch this because okay. it's just There's a lot in there. Okay. So then I guess my question is, why does she need to do this? In other words, why why can't she go on doing whatever it is she's been doing? Why does she need to commit suicide to give birth to the, the, you know, the connection that these eight have? Yeah, that part, that's definitely, that's a big spoiler, so... Okay. Now, you know, we kind of been talking about what these eight have in common and, and, you know, it's, you know, maybe some sort of emotional pain that, that, uh, you know, we talked about, you mentioned the drug and I forget what three letters the guy gave it when they yeah, were, I can't remember um, but that clearly there was something about this drug that supposedly opens up their minds. Isn't that what they say about every drug? Yeah. Expand right. your mind, dude. Right. Right, this will bring you greater consciousness. Yeah, you know, it's just like everything. And, and Riley seems like she's too clever to fall for that kind of crap, but yet she takes the drug, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, who is Jonas, a.k.a. Saeed yeah. from <laughs> <Right>. Lost? <laughs> right, uh, yeah, like again, big names here, right? Like that's Daryl Hannah, Daryl effing Hannah in the first scene, and she raises her hand up and Naveen 
effing Andrews takes her hand, man. It's like, and then later we got Freeman effing Ashima. It's like, oh my God, like this cast is awesome. Well, you know, but then there are so many little things that are just kind of thrown out there. And as you said, I mean, I did a rewatch and I'm still not sure what's going on with certain things. And again, maybe they will be revealed piecemeal as this season goes on. But Jonas, I think it is, it says something about her death is going to give them a fighting chance. Right. And I'm wondering why or, you know. Is that- well, we, we get some of it because the guy who shows up, right, mm-hmm. when she's there and he says, oh, so this is how you've been hiding from me. And he indicates what looks like to be the remnants of, of drug paraphernalia. That that's lying about her. I mean, she's in this kind of this creepy church, and that's abandoned, lying on a mattress. I mean, it definitely looks like someone who's taking some significant drugs, right? Right. So she's hiding from Jonas, right? That's what he says. No, no, not from Jonas. Oh. No, Jonas is is there to help her. Okay. It's this guy who he's called Whispers who shows up behind her. He's like creepy with the beard. And oh, right. There was the white a scene. Hair. That's right. There was a scene right, right, where she was in the middle. Right. And you'll notice that, you know, he, where he's there and Jonas can't hear him, but he can hear Jonas. Right. Okay. Um, so it seems like he's able to kind of experience the world through Angelica's senses, but is, and, but then right after that, like he, the, you know, so we, we realized that, that obviously that's like some kind of projection because the real guy physically comes into the church right before Angelica kills herself. Okay. You know, we clearly that guy is some kind of, he 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 looks like a baddie, right? He just looks and sounds and everything like a like a villainous individual, and and so you know the, the least we can say is um, that Angelica is trying to get away from him somehow, and you know we assume then that whatever he wanted from Angelica, he's going to try and find her kids. Well, one of the things that did certainly occurred to me after watching it one time are the Wachowskis and J. Michael Straczynski just being deliberately complex here, you know, it, because I think you could argue on one level that the complexity of the matrix got in the way of the story. Well, yeah, not not the first one, but but definitely the the second one and the third one's just not a good movie at all. But yeah, the second one, yeah, the the I've I've seen the end of that movie, I don't know how many times, and it still doesn't really make a heck of a lot of sense. So, I mean, I I think having seen it then a second time and then watching the second episode gave me a lot more clarity to to the point where okay i'm starting to get it obviously you know talking to you tonight helps a a lot and i'm assuming once i get to episode three is it eight episodes oh no i said in the uh, 12 episodes in season one but but i really enjoyed it i mean you know once again i watched it a second time I, i i really like all eight characters 
Um, Angelica, it's, I mean, she is certainly a character. And and then, of course, Jonas's character are sort of in the background. And, you know, there are a lot of, I guess, what we'll call secondary characters, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, like uh, Nomi's girlfriend, played by Freeman. I I can never remember how to say her name. Agumon? I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. Martha. I don't know if I've ever actually heard it said except for in my own head yeah so i don't know if i'm pronouncing it correctly in there okay but uh yeah i really enjoyed it a lot so uh so so anything else you want to bring up about this one you know like i said the the uh the the rewatch really helps with the comprehension of basic plot but uh you know even like what i it's just, like I said, yeah, you know, just the, the the connection between the characters, it, to me, is what really drives this show. And um, you know, it's, it's a very enjoyable show. It it sucked that they canceled it, but I get it. Um, but I also, I think it's awesome that they're letting them, you know, film a, you know, one more episode to try and bring some closure because they ended season two on. You know, it's it's like the end of the you know the Sarah Connor Chronicles, you know, where there's like just a big new um, direction. I'm not saying not necessarily the new direction, but the the show is taking a big step forward, and which could lead to all kinds of amazing plot type things happening, and then it gets canceled like right after that. And that's I think part of the the kickback is just because it ended on such a oh, what's going to happen next type thing. And now everyone wants to know what's going to happen next. And they only have two hours to, to get that out. Yeah, well, Joss managed to do it. So we'll see. True. I think they'll, I, I imagine they'll pull it off. But, uh, you know, um, yeah, it's a fun, I was yeah, reading about it and how there's like some porn site offered to bring it back even. Yes. I did read that as well. And, I, you know, nothing would surprise me anymore. I mean, there, there's money to be made. I mean, you know, it certainly has enough of an audience that if, you know, the Wachowskis and Straczynski can, can you know, rein in the cost per episode, I mean, who knows? And, and, yeah. and, and certainly it can be done. And it's just, I guess, a question of whether or not you want to. So yeah, it'll be interesting. But it it yeah, it's it's actually a, a kind of a, an amazing story in what television is nowadays. You know, like that a show can be made for a lot of money that gets dropped and people watch it in a week, and then a year later they you know watch it another week, the next season, and then you know, and then if it gets dropped, you know, who knows what incarnation it could potentially pick up. You know, that's like. You know, the dark matter, the, you know, um, people trying to get dark matter back on like Netflix or something like that. Uh, yeah. I signed the petition yeah. and then Netflix, you may know, has basically an online form that you just basically type in whatever show you think Netflix should either, you know, add to its roster or uh-huh. pick up, you know, as a show like, you know, dark matter, something like that. So. Who knows? Oh, yeah. I did. I, you know, now I think about it, I'm going to go and throw a, throw a vote Dark Matters way and maybe one for Ashes to Ashes too. Oh, I can okay. finally watch that. So, all right. 
All right. Well, why don't we end it there and want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. We'd love to hear what you think about Dollhouse, which it sounds as if maybe we're going to return for a couple episodes. We've got two open dates that we haven't filled. So I think Wayne and I are going to take a look at season two, episode one and episode two, at least unless we decide to double up each time. But we'll figure that out. But we are going to revisit Dollhouse, pick up season two. And maybe just do it on a catch-as-catch-can basis as we uh, move forward. But we encourage you to join the Facebook group. Oh, actually, Share I'm you. sorry, Dave. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Like, because I was just kind of like back through this. There is just one thing I wanted to throw out there. Okay. More because it was kind of like it was like, oh, I should have seen that for the first place. So it's at the the Pride Day, and the one guy says, "Yeah, the the Pride was a funeral march in the '80s." And at first, I thought it meant because you know the, the you know the attention on um, the rights for all types of people, despite your you know, gender or sexuality. And I realized, oh, he was talking about the AIDS epidemic, right? Um, so, yeah, and and wanted to recognize, you know, basically, you know, the people that fought for rights and you know medical right. care and whatever it is that that people enjoy now so uh, yeah. all right well like we said we'd always encourage you guys to join the facebook group share your thoughts with the sci-fi tv rewatch community if you're already a member spread the word emails as we said sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com voicemails via the speak pipe tab which you can access through the website and we'll be back next week to talk about episode one of another Netflix original series, The OA. But until then, Dave, Jean-Claude is watching over us. <laughs>